All right. Another episode of Sunday Golds. Aria Masudi, Brett Nevitt, and uh, Florida State Baseball uh, took two or three from Samford. Uh, and then a tough loss to the Mercer Mercer Bears in the midweek. And on the road in Macon, uh, the Knowles, I mean, quite simply, they kind of choke that one away and lose it in extras. Um, and, and we're going to touch on that. We're also going to uh, talk about uh, a really intriguing matchup against the Cal Bears, one that I think flew under the radar for a lot of FSU fans and uh, a Cal Bears team that will challenge Florida State this weekend in Tallahassee. And then if we have some time, we'll, we'll chat some NCAA big picture, uh, maybe some ACC baseball around the country this weekend too. Uh, Brett, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, also, congratulations on your move over to Knowles 24-7. Uh, very well earned, uh, hardworking guy, and I know you're excited about the coverage moving over there. Yeah, very excited. And thanks to Chris and, and Pat Tolley at 247 um, for making that happen so quick. Um, you know, going to cover spring football too and, and all the other stuff, but Baseball will still be my priority and nothing will change about this. And, you know, we'll keep doing this every week as, as much as we need to. Um, but yeah, looking forward to moving over there. Yeah. Sunday gold's not changing. Uh, Chris, very nice uh, and very kind to, to be able to allow us to, to continue this podcast the way that it is. And uh, it's a perfect segue to bring Chris knee on uh, from Knowles 24 seven. And uh, Chris, I know you're excited to have Brett join your team as well. Yeah, I'm stoked about it. It's a great thing. I think Brett does unparalleled coverage in this market covering FSU baseball. He has a passion for it. He loves doing it. He does a heck of a job doing it. He's got a great relationship with head coach Mike Martin Jr. and his staff, and he relates to the guys on the field. I, I love baseball. I wish I could dedicate time to it like he does, but I, I recognize that in the last couple of years of working around him that he's just unbelievably good at doing it. So I'm I'm extremely happy to have him over here with us doing baseball, but also being a help with so many other things. Without a doubt. And I think you guys are a great fit for each other. Uh, Chris, I've always admired how hard all of you work at 24 uh, seven to, to provide some of the best coverage, I think out there in co co collegiate sports athletics. All right. Um, we're going to have Chris on this podcast frequently, uh, I think on Sunday gold. So that's something you can look forward to as well. And Brett, of course, continuing to do the great work. I think we need to jump right in boys uh, five and three after eight games. Um, I still believe that this is a very good baseball team. It's got a lot of really good pieces. Um, but Brett, we'll start with you. You were in Macon to watch that game. Uh, we didn't have TV coverage of it. Uh, so it was your tweets and Eric Lou Allen's play by play. that kind of got us all through, um, a tough day for Florida state. Uh, it went well for eight innings and then it was downhill from there. Yeah. And overall it was a pretty wacky game. I mean, we scored a bunch of runs off of just fly balls, just literally just dropping in the outfield because no one knew where they were. Um, Mercer had like pretty short light stands. And when the sun wasn't fully down yet, basically any ball that went above those lights just disappeared for a few seconds. I was losing every pop-up too and everything. Um, I mean, there was a guy swung and missed on a ball that hit him for strike three in the ninth inning. It was just everything about this game was weird. Um, I just thought ninth inning, um, the game kind of got away from, from me a little bit. Um, but I will say, you know, these, these, these pitchers need to throw more strikes. Um, and we also need to remember that most of these guys that are thrown in high leverage spots for Florida state right now are young and they have never been in these spots before. Um, so I think guys need to get more comfortable in those roles, uh, and, and guys need to get healthy too. I mean, you're missing Davis still and Jonah was unavailable on Tuesday. Um, don't know the situation yet with Joe Charles, but he was unavailable as well. So overall, just, you know, it's a struggle with the bullpen right now. 
not because the talent's not there, but um, I think mismanagement guys out of place and also just the injuries, like I said. Yeah, I also want to point out real quick that we are doing this over Zoom at the moment for those of you listening. Uh, Brett and Chris are in Tallahassee. I know they've all they've been all over the place. It feels like uh, uh, this month, and I'm up here in Greensboro with Florida State women's basketball uh, for the ACC tournament. So I'm doing this from from the hotel room. And shout out, by the way, to Coach Sue's squad who had a, a big win over Boston College earlier today uh, in the second round of the tournament. So, um, Brett, back to the the Bears against the Knowles. Are, was there anything that really worried you long-term uh, for this Florida State baseball team? I just didn't like the decisions um, made late in the game. And, you know, it, to me, it's kind of a trend lately. I think there's been decisions in all these close games to start the year that, that could have been made better, made quicker. Um, you know, I just I, – I struggle to make sense of a lot of the decisions that happened late in this game. I think there's been decisions prior here that have, you know, there've been good reason to them. Um, they just haven't worked out. I didn't think there was good reason to the moves that were made on Tuesday. I mean, you brought in Andrew Armstrong to, for a pickoff move when the runner wasn't even the tying run. I mean, the tying runs at the plate, you got to focus on the hitter. You got to bring in the guy you think that's going to get ounce. Um, so either stick with Wyatt Cruel um, or tell Army that he's got to attack the hitter and, and not do three straight pickoff moves. Um, and then after you don't get the pickoff, you, you, you walk a hitter and you, you leave him in and you throw a wild pitch and they score in a grounder and an error brings in a tying run. It was just, uh, it was just a, com- a complete disaster of a ninth inning management and execution wise. Um, it wasn't good. Big picture wise. I still think this team, like you said, has the talent to win close games, but decisions have to be made so that this, the talent isn't wasted. Yeah, Jackson Neza was warmed up in that situation too when Army when he went to Army. So he had the option available and ready, prepared to go, but he went with the one he went with. Right. And, and Chris, uh, you know, uh, this is three straight losses uh, to mid-major teams, if you want to call them smaller conference teams, um, and they've all been close, right? Like, not none of them have been blowouts. There hasn't been a you haven't been overwhelmed by any of them. So from a from a macro standpoint, it's not like. Uh, we have worries about Florida State's roster, but they're 0-3, I think, in games that have been, if you want to call them, close games, right? Um, they lost to Sanford in extras, Mercer in extras, uh, and JU. Uh, is that something you're worried about, losing uh, these types of games uh, at the end? They need to clean things up, plain and simple. Uh, games aren't close in the end if you scratch across a few more runs here or you prevent runs from coming across earlier. More so for this team, base running is an area where I'd like to see it a little bit cleaned up, and that's something that Mike Martin Jr. spoke about in the last week, going into last week, and he spoke about that. Uh, The pitching roles need to be figured out. That's something that Brett was banging on. I wholeheartedly agree. Who is definitely the closer of this team? Who is the guy you go to as a shutdown setup? Those kind of things need to be figured out. I think there's some real-time testing going on with that. I'm not hitting the panic button with this ball club. I think they're a better team, certainly better than last year. I think they can hit at a decent rate. They can field much better, much more athletic. I think they are much better on the base pads as far as capability. It's just a matter of figuring out the restrictions you need to place upon yourself as to not run into stupid outs and run yourself out of innings, which uh, Sunday, for example, against Sanford, that fifth inning, I believe it was, Reese Albert second and third on a ground ball to third base side kind of wiped out a fifth inning for them. There's other examples of base running miscues that I've heard of such as that. So there, there are concerns that we've seen them now through the eight games, but 
hopefully these are things they can clean up. It doesn't feel like something where they can't address it with what they have available. Uh, Brett, uh, anything that you want to touch on with the offense? Because uh, on the surface, 11 hits is a pretty solid day. Uh, I know Brett Roberts had a, a really nice night in Macon. Um, he hits the home run. But you also had 15 strikeouts, which uh, it seemed like a very feast or famine type of night. And the Knowles didn't score a run after that fifth inning. Yeah, like you said, feast or famine, really. Um, I thought B-Rob had a really nice night. And, you know, I think he's just showing everybody the natural type of hitter he is. And using the whole field, um, you know, turns on a, a slider to pull it down the line for, for a, a home run. Um, and I think, you know, he's, he's probably the best in this lineup at recognizing spin and, you know, he's been really good at that so far. And you see that in his K to walk um, ratio, I think he's one to one so far. Um, but yeah, after that fifth inning, Mercer was using mostly um, relievers who throw sidearm and also over the top. That was really given FSU's hitters struggles. Um, a lot of them were locked up a, a few times. It seemed like, um, you know, a concern for me recently has been these guys seem to be able to get unfocused by the strike zone of umpires. Um, a lot of complaining on this team and a lot. It's just every college baseball umpire is not good. Every MLB umpire is usually not very good. They're inconsistent. You just got to know that um, the guy on at Mercer wasn't the worst, but he was definitely um, inconsistent, but you just can't leave those decisions in an umpire's hands in college baseball because they're going to make wrong calls. Um, there was way too much of that, way too much looking, especially from FC's veterans. Um, but, you know, overall, I still don't have concerns about this team hitting wise. I just thought it was those relievers that go sidearm in over the top. I mean, that's something you don't really ever see. I just think that would, they weren't really prepared for that. Um, and I don't think that's something they'll really see again the rest of this year. The strike zone situation is something that was abundantly clear in the JU loss. They let the bats be taken out of their hand by the umpire. They did not battle and have bats when the wide the zone got wide and the pitcher was willing to use it wide. They sat there taking pitches they thought were balls and got punched out. Yeah, and I weren't bad counts. Yeah. And so FSU and scrimmages in preseason and all fall, they use track man to call strikes. They don't ever, not once did they bring in umpires to the strike zone. I think that's something they need to rethink moving forward because the way they call it in practice is as a perfect zone. You're never going to have a perfect zone in a college baseball game. So they've, they've, I think they got to start bringing in some real umpires here to get, to get ready for the season. Uh, Chris, uh, we, you know, Brett and I have done a couple episodes already uh, when the season started. Uh, but since is, you know, this is your first time on our pod this year, I wanted to get your macro thoughts, uh, big picture on what you think of this lineup, uh, the remaking of it, all the transfers that have come in and uh, clearly there have been some impact games by the transfers and some of the freshmen that have stood out too. Yeah. I mean, I love Rankin Tibbs. I think they're both big assets for this team. Uh, Alex has been impressive at first as being a first baseman also brought the bat as we expected him to hit balls to the right field. I'm happy to see Reese kind of feeling good, feeling good about himself hitting what four thirty right now, I think is where he's at been pretty good on the year so far. Brett Roberts has been an excellent addition. They did a very good job. Jordan Carrion's been excellent in the field and uh, actually higher quality bat than I expected when he came in. I remember talking to Brett when FSU initially got Jordan and thinking great defensive addition, whatever you get at the plate is what you get. The one position I'm still a little panic buttoned at is catcher. It's kind of mind blowing to me that FSU a school that has an immense amount of history at the catcher position has had a great deal of success that they can't seemingly find somebody who can be kind of that dude for them at a position. Colton Vincent's, you know, hitting half my weight right now. And well, God, I wish I only weighed 266 pounds. Um, 
And, you know, Brock Mathis isn't really bringing it either. And I know there's concerns with him defensively right now. So that's the one position that offensively lineup wise, it, it does worry me. Pitching, they've got plenty of it. You know, and I'd like to see Sunday become a little more consistent and figure out some of the roles with guys. Maybe see Bob Meister elevate as the year goes on. I don't want to see him have a Carson Montgomery freshman season. But I think they have plenty of arms to throw at people. Yeah, and I completely agree with you there uh, on that, Chris. It's It's been fun uh, to watch the new kids. I, I had told Brett after he was driving home, and, and Brett was not in a good mood uh, on the drive home from Macon. Uh, that phone call, has there have been more pleasant phone calls. But um, I've been more impressed with Trayton Rank than I thought I would be when he came in. I was banging the drum uh, and kind of the ringleader of the Jackson Green stay at second forever um, train, and very clearly Rank – uh, at the plate has impressed me and defensively Trayton's impressed me. He had the error in this game. Uh, but after Brett explained what, it, what how it went, um, kind of forgave him on it. I was at the JU game and Trayton made a couple of ga- a couple of plays up the middle that I, it looked like a shortstop making second base, uh, making plays as a second baseman. It was, it was incredible. So that's impressed me. Uh, I'll give Colton Vincent also, uh, the benefit, benefit of the doubt. He's actually hit better the last couple of games than how he started the season. I think he had another hit against the bears. Um, for me, I'm worried about defensively. He was supposed to be incredible and he he's been good, but there have been some lapses for him already this season. Um, and obviously going from Matt Nelson to whoever who came after Matt Nelson was going to be not fair. Like you can't make a comparison to what you just had. Um, but I guess Brett, I'll transition this back to you. Um, how do you see this catcher situation playing out between Colton and Brock? Does Brock get a couple more chances here uh, in non-conference play? Yeah, I think so far they've been very dead set on, on Colton's going to be the guy, the one guy. Um, and I do think Colton should be the starter in most of the days. But I also think you you need to give Brock some chances to at least show you what he can do. Um, he did struggle in preseason. Uh, but, I mean, he hadn't played all fall. hadn't seen live pitching. and you know, hadn't been in the box at all. Um, so, you know, he struggled through that, but I do think Brock can provide you something. He doesn't have to stay on the bench at all times. I mean, I was pretty frustrated on Tuesday when Colton let off with a single in the 11th and they didn't pinch run for him. They brought Brock Mathis here to do those things. That's the reason Brock's here so that they can be flexible with their catchers, make changes in game, make changes late in games. Um, Isaiah Perry's on your bench. You're trying, you need to get a run. Um, you know, they probably don't bring him in there cause they want Colton's defense still, but not pinch running for him. There is playing to not lose and not playing. It's not playing to win. And, you know, meat's always been so much about, we're going to put pressure on people. We're going to run when we can run. If he's going to be that, he needs to be that in that moment, especially in a tie game and extra innings, you got to play to win. Um, the big picture with the catchers, uh, I think Colton has hit better than he, the numbers show, but you know, I don't think Colton's ever going to be a guy that hits a ton, never going to hit really over 250 at this level, I don't think. But if you can profile the position, I think you'll be fine. And hopefully you get him up to 220. Um, you know, he's been dealing with a bit of a thumb injury, which is why I think he's had some of the pass balls he's had. Um, but I think he's also been really good at blocking balls in the dirt for the most part. Had one ball that snuck through a little bit at Mercer on, in the in the dirt. Um, you know, Colton is the, the better defender by far. I would say that Brock is a better hitter, though. Um, you know, I think you know, Saturdays maybe give Brock an opportunity to start because Ross and Colton are very close. And I think you need to keep those two together. Um, but I just think you need to see what Brock can give you. You you, you can't just have him 
not ever start a game behind the plate. And, you know, that's fair. Um, and I haven't been disappointed by, by, you know, Vincent really this year. I just, um, I'm intrigued to see where FSU goes because like I said, when you go from Nelly to what, what's, what's going to come after Nelly again, it's probably just not a fair comparison to make and, and whatever expectations we have, we're probably going to be disappointed in the end. Um, but Chris also makes a good point, right? Like this is Florida state, the catching situation at Florida state, almost always you went from Cal Raleigh, uh, to Matt Nelson. So, um, <laughs> Cal Raleigh's in the big leagues and, and that's, and Matt Nelson's going to be in the big leagues pretty darn soon. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think there's some, some fair thought there. Good, good convo on, on that part. Um, Carson Montgomery, Brett, uh, I, I was kind of the talking about, you know, Ross Dunn moving away from the Sunday spot. If there was a door open and, and the person who would take that would be Carson. Um, but Carson hasn't exactly taken the bull by the horn, so to speak, in his starts. Neither guy has shown you they can really go past four innings um, and kind of get through the second time of that order um, all the way through cleanly. What are your thoughts on Carson's start against the Bears and, and him so far on Tuesdays and Wednesdays this week? Yeah, I thought Carson took a bit of a step back um, from his first start of the season. He got behind in more counts. Um, which led to hard hit balls when he had to kind of just, you know, attack in the middle of the zone and just try to get back into counts. Um, and, you know, Mercer is a good hitting team. They got a lot of veterans that have, all, that have always hit well. Um, you know, I think FSU kind of needs to change their thinking with Carson a little bit and the fact that I think they need to simplify what he's doing. He's throwing five pitches right now, and, you know, he's throwing a lot of two-seamers and cutters. Um, his four-seam was sitting 93-95 at Mercer. Uh, you you just got to you got to simplify it and start going with that four seam. You, he's a power pitcher. He needs to pitch like a power pitcher. He doesn't need to be working around the zone and working you know all cute with all these cutters and everything else. You know he's got a really good slider and he's got a good changeup. And I really haven't seen the changeup at all so far this season. I would really like to see what he would look like one day, just going four seam um, slider uh, changeup. Uh, you know, obviously Jimmy Bellinger knows Carson better than me, and you know you know, is always going to call pitches better than me. But I just think if they could simplify a little bit for Carson, especially while he's dealing with this heel injury, that it would do to him some favors. Would you say the game against Florida last year when Carson was on in that stretch of that game where he was on, where it was the most aggressive he's ever been at going after batters? Because I feel like when I think about his starts or his appearances and his time at FSU, that's the one that comes to mind for me. Right. And I think last year when we saw him struggle, was when FSU got away from the four-seam fastball. There were some times where it just felt like he was throwing a lot of sliders um, out of nowhere, and that's kind of where his his starts would go sideways in the second time around the order because they're trying to do more with him. But, I mean, you throw 93-95 in college, not many guys are going to touch that. I just think they got to be more um, simple and more to the point with him. Um. I'm trying to think of other things that I wrote down that I wanted to touch on. I think, you know, defense has been solid uh, for Florida state for much of the season. It looks like a better defense than what they had last year. Um, but again, outside of your first two arms, which are incredible Parker Messick, Bryce Hubbard, I'm not sure I've been like wowed by the rest of this pitching staff. And that's not to say I won't be, I just know how much hype was on their backs coming into the year. Mm-hmm. And Brett, you mentioned it yourself. Like there are some injuries there that are preventing some things, but um, you know, uh, Jonas Scalaro had a great start to the season and then it's kind of tailed off in his last couple of 
of outings. Um, Ross Dunn, Carson Montgomery, they've been really good at times and, and not so good at others. So you kind of, you're kind of middle ground with them. Um, Chris, I'll throw this to you. What have your, been your thoughts on this pitching staff as a whole um, outside of those first two? Because those first two can carry you a long, long way. But I think if you have national seed aspirations um, and, and definitely, you know, to host a regional, you're probably going to need a little bit more than the, the two Bulldogs up front. Yeah, I, with Ross Dunn, I think that appearance one, he got himself in trouble throwing too many balls, kind of a zone where he just got himself to a lot of full counts couldn't get a call his way and he got yanked for that. I thought he was better in his second appearance. I thought he went after guys a little bit better, had better counts, did a better job overall. So I feel like that's a solid progression to see. We know Dunn can pitch, certainly has the appearance of a dude who can pitch. I'd kind of stick with him and ride it and see how much he improves. If there's a continuous of improvement start to start, then that's a positive sign. Uh, White Crowell is kind of a wild card guy to me. I'd love to see him either be the closer or the starter. I just love his stuff. I think he's highly capable. Um, you know, Joan is a guy that Meat wants to be the starter. He dignified him as a starter from the get-go, which Meat doesn't do all the time with actually naming a starter. So it's pretty clear that's the guy he wants to go with there. But I think Wyatt can bring a lot to you as a starter. I think long-term Jackson Baumeister is somebody you want to ramp up and see if he can be one, but I don't think he's there currently. Carson Montgomery is one that you want to kind of stick with, see what you can get out of it. I, I'm not – here for completely changing the bullpen and how you're doing everything. White's one guy. I think I might make the most drastic move with of who you're currently using in certain positions, certain roles. Uh, Brett Jackson, Mizzou really good uh, against Mercer. Is there a chance that they move to him uh, to get some closing opportunities here in the next couple of weeks? Yeah. So once the starters were set, I always thought that, you know, it should be a Crowell, um, Mizzou kind of split depending on matchups on, on those two guys should be your closers with Jonah kind of filling the, the Kwiatkowski role from last year where he can give you a lot of ounce at any certain point of the game, whether that's seven, eight, or, you know, four or five, if a starter goes short, you know, Jonah can throw in any situation and he is good for ninth innings sometimes, but you know, you don't want to push Jonah too much. And, and you know, Jonah struggled earlier this year. He's got a neck injury right now that they're trying to, you know, fix. He was unavailable on Tuesday because of that. Um, you know, like I said earlier, a lot of these arms are just young and they just got, they got to learn how to pitch themselves out of these situations. Um, you know, Wyatt's stuff is there. It's already there, but I think Wyatt needs to, Wyatt needs to learn some toughness and gets out, get out of these situations um, late in games. You know, he comes out for the ninth inning and, you know, throws a strike and then kind of sprays four balls nowhere close to the zone. Um, you can't do that in the ninth inning, especially to lead off the ninth inning. You just got to be tougher than that and, and bear down and, and just pound the strike zone and be aggressive. Um, you know, I think Ballmeister's fastball is, is there. It's ready. It can get anyone out in college baseball, but the, the off speed just needs a little bit more time. And wherever you need to develop that, go develop it, um, whether that's it. I just don't think you're – I don't think you should be developing guys in the super high leverage spots. Um, and you, if you're going to use bomb in those high, high leverage spots, he needs to be attacking with his fastball not throwing a change up in a three, two count to lead off the 11th inning to defensive replacement, you know, that run end up, ends up scoring the winning run. So just another one of those little things that I didn't like late in that game, but um, you know, the arms are still there. Davis is going to come back at some point. Um, we'll see if Charles comes back at some point, um, you know, and Nizu is also dealing with a bit of an oblique injury now, but still expect him to be, you know, not out too long. Um, didn't really get anything certain on that injury, but, 
Um, you know, just got to get, get healthy and, and you got to throw strikes and young kids got to learn how to pitch in tough situations. Pitching philosophy for head coaches. It's always so interesting to me. Meat is abundantly clear, has made it abundantly clear that he wants to use a lot of arms, roll them out there, inning to inning, sometimes make changes. The only problem I have with that is sometimes you burn an arm for an inning, has a good inning, you move on just because in your mind you're thinking, I want to move on. And then you get yourself in a situation late in games where you need arms and you have limited options because this guy's been used or this guy's not available. I, it, it's a weird balance. I don't want to overly criticize it because I get what he's doing. I know he's trying to use, you know, every bit of the bullpen that he can to develop it for later in the year. But it's weird to me sometimes how he's just so adamant that this guy's getting a six and I'm moving on to another guy in the seven, regardless of how the six goes. So it's just, you know, uh, it's one of those things where I, I get it. You want to do usage. You don't want to not throw guys or overthrow guys early. I understand all the stuff he's weighing there. But I think when you run yourself into two extra inning games or you got yourself in some situations, the pitching has been a little limited because of that mindset and that mentality. And I'd say I think the other thing with the philosophy right now is, you know, the FSU philosophy has always been that AAA, 3-4-K, any pitch, any, and they want to be that so bad. I think they almost want to be that too much sometimes. There's been times earlier this year where it's felt like there's there's pitchers, a lot of pitchers on the staff that can just overpower guys. But instead of just overpowering them, they, they want to be the AAA, 3-4-K and, you know, throw breaking balls for strikes in certain situations and change-ups in certain situations where – you know, we could just attack these guys with fastballs and get them out if you're not trying so hard on that. Um, like the thing with Baumeister, just go fastball there. Obviously, you do want guys to have three pitches for strikes. Um, but in big situations, when you have power arms, let them be power arms. The the game-winning hit, Brett, was a curveball, correct? Um, I'd have to go back and look, I believe. I, I looked at Kyler's videos that he was putting up for perfect game. Shout out to, to Kyler, by the way. Um the perfect game videos were, were really all we had video highs uh, from, from that outing. Um, and it looked like it, it was not a firm pitch. It looked like it was off speed of some sort. So it really just proves your point is all I'm saying. Um, the general consensus seems to be that, you know, all three of us would like to see a little more solidity in what you're doing late innings uh, for this team. So um, seventh, eighth and ninth is kind of go time in close games. You don't really need to be experimenting anywhere when you're up by two runs. And I thought Florida state overthought the situation, um, as well. And that's, that's a tough, it's a tough way to lose a game right in the ninth inning when you're, did they throw three guys in the ninth Brett? Yeah. And I'd say I'm fine with experimenting now, but like you got to find out if Wyatt Corral can bounce back and, and finish that inning out. Like you, you don't need to be doing things that don't make sense that, you know, like we, when you're experimenting, you don't need to experiment and see if a guy can pick somebody off in a ninth inning. Like, let's I, just let's see who can be the closer. That's right. What I, but I think my, what I'm getting at is when you have a win in your sights, right. And you're in right. the ninth inning, mm-hmm. I really don't care about experimenting anymore. Yeah. Like that, at that point you had eight innings to experiment. You're up to closing time. You're going to play three more games against Cal uh, this weekend. You need this win on the road. There's, this is not the time to be kind of thinking, Oh, I wonder what would happen if I tried this combination of things. Uh, you, you need the win. Remember the goal of the objective is to win the ball game always. Um, but that was also something. And, and Chris, maybe you can touch on this. Uh, I don't want to get too down that path with meat because a lot of people criticized 11 for 
treating the midweeks almost like they were um, super regional games, right? And early in the season, you, you throw that number four starter that is your guy. You have your two or three arms that you trust all season long, and it never changed, right? Like you got to June, and you only had two arms that you trusted out of the bullpen. So it does seem like there is a give and take here, a balance you must have where early yeah. in the season sometimes you do need to try different guys to see um, – what you have and, and put them in different situations for the long-term benefit. Yeah. And when I brought up the point of being like steadfast that this guy's getting an inning and I'm moving on regardless, that is the balancing act that you have to perform as a coach. What I do hope is that he figure out who is this guy in this situation to get this out or do this inning or close this game out, or, you know, we're facing this kind of batter who hits this kind of way against this kind of pitcher. We've got that guy. We're going after him. He's got to figure those things out. It doesn't need to be an experiment throughout. If you want to experiment in February and early March, that's all well and good. But when ACC play hits, you're in the meat of the schedule, it, it's go time. It's got to be, you know, who the hell the guy is that you want in that spot at that moment. Right. But you don't learn that if you don't use it. So it's, again, a weird balancing act. You know, there are situations where do you stick with a guy to see if he can work out of it, or do you take him out this time and then the next time because you've manage that situation spoken to him about it you go back and allow him to try to work out of it the next time uh, it's all balancing act. it's a very difficult task for a coach and it's super easy to criticize from the outside and after the fact but you know that's where they're at that's what they're trying to figure out i do think that's what meat's doing i think meat wholeheartedly wants to know what is available on his roster top to bottom in real game situations and that's why i think we hadn't been too critical of many moves this year it was just like the Armstrong move, and I like Andrew Armstrong a lot. It just it 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 didn't feel experimental. It just felt like it, I don't I don't really know exactly what they thought they like, were going to put there. Like he was banging his head into a wall. Yeah, I just yeah I don't know I yeah. Well, it's like the base running. He's adamant about the base running being aggressive, and they're going to run themselves into outs just to kind of prove the point that they're trying to be aggressive on the base path. So at times you can almost be counterproductive to yourself. Right. For sure. And I actually heard um, a couple of years back, Paul Maneri, former coach of LSU, um, he talked about, you know, sometimes you're not sac- you're not sacrificing games. No coach is ever sacrificing a moment. Um, but there were times where he, he said, I'm OK with losing some games early if I get to June. Uh, and now I have five or six guys that have been put into different situations and they've either succeeded or they have they have failed, you know. And, um, it's just for the benefit of the whole season. Right. And, and there, that's, that's the balancing act that I think we've all agreed now meat is just trying to see who thrives where, and sometimes they don't thrive, right. They're going to sink early in the season. And now, you know, that that's maybe not going to be the move going forward. Um, they're going to have another chance to learn some things this weekend. Let's transition into the preview against Cal, uh, the Cal bears, Five and three out of the Pac-12. This is a good baseball team. And uh, the Pac-12 is a good conference. Uh, Looking at some of the preseason projections, uh, Cal was picked to be about middle of the pack in in the Pac-12. And so that's that's a decent baseball team. Last year, a lot of people thought they were about one win away uh, from getting a regional berth. They had just missed the tournament. They got hot late and I think beat UCLA something like two out of three or or something like that where, where Cal really made a push for the postseason. And uh, they got some some big names back. So, Brett, I will throw this to you to preview uh, the, the Seminoles and the Bears. It should be a lot of fun because they've got some serious headliners coming into Tallahassee. 
Yeah, they got some big names here. Um, I mean, two of these guys played with with Parker on the collegiate national team this summer. Um, outfielder Dylan Beavers, um, he was one of those guys. I also saw him a bit. He played with us at Katuit this summer before heading over there. Um, left-handed hitter, outfielder, can run, can hit homers, hit three or three last year with 18 homers, has three so far this year. Um, he's their best bat. Uh, he's a really dynamic bat. He'll, he'll be a kind of guy that FSU needs to attack him just like they attacked Chase DeLauder, uh, especially with the left-handed left-handed pitchers, you know, attack him with fastballs and, and throw sliders off of those and breaking balls off those. Um, you know, their Friday starter is also a Team USA guy, Josh White. Um, we might be seeing the best pitching matchup in all college baseball this Friday. Josh White's a real deal ace. 93-94 um, fastball with sink. Um, he's got two breaking balls. He throws the slider, mid-80s mid mid slider to right-handed hitters. Um, there's a, a depth, a curveball in the low eighties with, with a good bit of depth. I mean, to the left-handed hitters and that thing is, it's going to give FC trouble. It's going to be a real dog fight on Friday. Um, you know, Messick's always going to give you a chance to win, but you know, Cal's Friday starter is always going to give them a chance to, um, you know, he threw, I think he struck out Josh White. This guy struck out 10 in each of his starts so far and only allowed one run. Um, so a real challenge there. And, uh, Mike New is, I think that's how you say it, their head coach, his fifth year there. They've gone to one regional with him there, um, played at Miami, um, coached a bit at Niagara, which is the connection to Florida State, I believe, because they used to play them a lot when 11 was here. Um, so, yeah, this, this is going to be a challenge this weekend. It's a good baseball team. Um, like you said, kind of a middle of the pack, Pac-12 team. But I think, you know, if some of their guys click, especially these two Team USA guys, that I think they'll be um, an NCAA tournament team. Uh, Chris, uh, before we break down further uh, than the Cal Bears, uh, what are you looking for from Florida State this weekend? Uh, continued improvement. Uh, you know, it'd be really nice to have a clean sheet in the field. Uh, I think that's important. I think they have nine errors through eight games, I think is what they're at. They've had a couple games with two, a couple games with none, so it balances out in the end. But I'd like to see kind of a consistent clean sheet throughout the weekend, don't give away free outs. The other thing is FSU tends to do well against high-level pitchers for the opponents on Friday nights. Traditionally, that's a long-standing situation for this program. You know, Brett was just talking about, I believe it's Josh White is a Friday guy. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to FSU facing a guy of that <clears throat> of that caliber and just going after him and seeing what FSU is. That's the kind of guy you're going to have to beat in a regional, most likely. That's the kind of guy you are going to face if you make to a Super Regional on a Friday or Saturday if you move your aces to Saturdays, like some teams will. So I, I want to see what FSU does against him. But just more than any continued improvement. The the things, the the situational stuff that they've done poorly at times, less of that, more winning base. Well, I'd also like to see Logan Lacey, who's actually hit a lot of balls really well this year, but right at people, it would be real nice if some, if some of that starts hitting turf and he can run around the bases a bit more. Yeah, Josh White, phenomenal, uh, really, in that first start against Houston. Um, man, uh, and there's a lot of buzz around him. Is uh, a kid who, you know, picked up uh, some some life on his fastball midway through his career out in Berkeley, and it's really changed his game. Um, in addition to two pretty good breaking balls that he throws, uh, Brett put up a pretty good preview uh, for Knowles 24-7, and there were some videos in there uh, that show off White's breaking balls, and they are good. Like, those are, those are some serious MLB-level pitches um, that's going to have him drafted, I think, pretty high. Uh, but I'm excited about it. You know, Parker Messick's going to be excited. Uh, the competitor in him is going to love this, uh, to go up against a kid that he got to know this summer. Um, 
And uh, Parker and Bryce took it pretty personally when they got a chance to go up against the lotter. Um, and you kind of had the buzz coming in about another kid from another team. Uh, so I imagine Parker will step up to the task this Friday. And uh, this is what meat wanted, right? Like you want to build up to ACC play with, with this schedule. And I think Cal is going to provide Florida state a serious challenge. I, I said it earlier, they're flying under the radar. I think by a lot of people, the Knowles fans, when they saw the schedule, saw all those ACC names, saw the Gator games and probably saw TCU and were like, Oh, those are the big ones. I think Cal has a chance to come in here and win two out of three. I'm not going to pick that. I think FSU will, you know, ultimately do their job, but um, these bears and Brett, we can talk about some of their bats. Uh, it's not just Dylan Beavers. They've got some other pretty good names too. Yeah. They got a senior catcher, Cole Elvis. That's off to a good start this year and has a pretty good track record hitting 364 so far and leads the team with 10 RBIs. Um, they've also got a couple of freshmen that have really started off their career as well. Um, Caleb Loma Vida, I think is he's their backup catcher, but also a DH for them. Um, kid out of Hawaii, he's hitting 323 so far this year with two homers. Had a big homer in their first game of the season to tie a game in the ninth inning. Uh, Rodney Green Jr. is an outfielder, uh, hitting 368 so far with four extra base hits and 737 slug. Um, I think as a team, they're hitting 283, I want to say. Um, and then they, their other two starters this weekend are, um, you know, two right handed pitchers that can run it up to the mid 90s, but neither of them have much experience in college starting. So interested to see what those guys look like. Steven Zoback and Joseph King, I believe, are the two names uh, there to keep an eye on. Um, so Florida State's going to have to bring its A game. I think Cal's going to come in and defend pretty well. They have a 978 team fielding percentage. And a lot of those teams out West uh, emphasize being strong in the field just because um, the way the, the wind blows out in the West, uh, you emphasize small ball um, and being able to, to field your position at a high level. So Cal's going to come in and give Florida State uh, a different kind of test. I'll be interested, interested to see how a West Coast team adjusts to the East Coast time zone. Uh, I know, Chris, remember all those years back, uh, Appel came in with Stanford. and uh, They Stanford had finals not, that week. Yeah, don't you yeah, remember? I remember that. All those, uh, all those doctors and lawyers. Future yeah, the, the Friday A's who – Appling? Was it Appling? Mark Appel. Appel, that's what it was. Yeah, FSU did really well against him. I yeah, and that. so it'll be interesting, right? And uh, that Stanford team did not adjust well to, no. to being in Tallahassee. Now, it's not as humid and hot as it was that time of year. Um, but again, three-hour three hour shift can be pretty interesting for a lot of teams coming from the West Coast. So I'll be interested to see if – Josh White has his A stuff, you know, uh, on the road, um, thousands of miles away from, from home. Um, and then I'm interested to see how Dick Hauser plays for uh, the Bears. They, they started the year really well at that tournament um, out in, uh, was it Scottsdale, Arizona? If mm -hmm. I remember correctly, they beat, did they go 3-0? I want to say they, they beat went undefeated. Houston, they beat TCU. Uh, I can't remember who was the other one in that. I think San Diego. San Diego State. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that sounds right. So TCU is a common opponent and that's a, that's a big brand name. So Cal also, I guess, beat Sacramento state who was ranked yeah. this week. I don't know. Yeah, how that good was on Tuesday. Is. Um, I'll be honest. I don't know how good any team is right now. I mean, we're really eight games into the season and I was reading an article and uh, one of the, the premises of the article from D one baseball was every team is overrated right now. And then it listed about 30 results to kind of show you everybody in the top 15, top 20 has been upset. 
Um, so that's just a kind of point that losing to Mercer and JU to Samford, I mean, it's not the end of the world right now. I, I honestly believe by the end of the year, you're going to look at those three teams and say, okay, those weren't that bad of a loss uh, because they should have nice seasons. But they were missed opportunities, no doubt, for Florida State, three close losses. And then now against Cal, uh, you have a chance to get into ACC play feeling pretty good about yourself. Brett, uh, two out of three, the expectation, right? A sweep's going to be tough, but uh, that could uh, really help you out in the long run. Yeah, I think so. I also think that if they can not, if they can get the win Friday, that I kind of like their chances to sweep because I think they have the advantages in the other two pitching matchups. Um, but we'll see. I'm really excited for Friday. I think it's the first time this year that they're going to face a really, really good arm. Um, so I'm excited to see how they get up for that matchup. Cool. Anything else you want to add on this matchup against the Cal Bears, Brett, or anything else you guys are looking for, uh, Chris and Brett? I was just going to mention the injury updates real quick. We talked to me today. Um, Jonah is Jonah Davis and who's the one? Nazu basically all sound like game time type decisions. Like I said, Nazu suffered an oblique injury at Mercer. Um, Jonah's dealing with a neck thing. Meat said he, he felt much better today. Than he did earlier in the week. Uh, Davis, we haven't seen so far this year. He was dealing with an arm injury. Uh, he threw live to batters yesterday. Meat said that went well. Um, but they were determining his availability this weekend off how he felt bouncing back from that um, little appearance he had. Again, first live time, first time he's thrown live against batter batters since, I believe, the fall. Um, so they're waiting to see how he responds to that. So all those guys will be game-time decisions. Haven't really heard anything on Joe Charles. I don't expect to see him this weekend, though. Um, and Tyler Martin is out again this weekend. They said they're just being very, very cautious so that they don't suffer another setback with his with his rehab process. All right. Seven o'clock, the Friday night's on the ACC network. So that'll be a, a linear game uh, nationally. And then Saturday at four, uh, currently no streaming planned at all uh, for that game. Um, so you'll be listening to, to Lulu. And I think, you know, Chris and Brett, if they're around uh, the park, you know, Brett will be there. Um, check for them on, on uh, Knowles 24-7 and on Twitter. They'll provide you play-by-play. And then Sunday, uh, 1 o'clock, and that one's supposed to be on ACC Network Extra. Noon. Sunday's a nooner. Oh, nooner. It's, a very, it's a very weird weekend. Yeah. First real late Friday, Noon. earliest Sunday. Yep. Yep. Don't listen to me giving misinformation. Noon on Sunday. Um, all right. So there's a pretty good preview of Cal. Um, let's touch on a little bit the picture nationally. Uh, there is some. There are some really, really good games and great series this weekend. Um, you've got some classics in terms of tournaments that are being played. Um, the Shriners College Classic in Houston. It's got Texas, Oklahoma, Baylor, UCLA, LSU, and Tennessee. I believe that's at the the Astro Stadium. Um, that's always uh, really fun. Um, and then you've got some decent ones. I think the Frisco Classic is going on this weekend, too, in, in Frisco, Texas. And that's got Texas A&M, Wichita State, and Iowa. Um, and then uh, you got a Sunshine State showdown between uh, the Gators and the Canes. I think that's at Mark Lightfield, if I'm not mistaken, this year. Yeah, I think it's at Miami this year. Okay, which means Florida will win two out of three. <laughs> uh, <laughs> poor Hurricanes. I was very excited for Miami last year when they beat Florida twice. Because I know 
as much as people used to joke that like Florida owned Florida State for a while with O'Sullivan, Miami felt the same way uh, about playing the Gators. Like there was there were some demons to exercise there, and they did last year, winning two out of three. But uh, that could be fun. I actually think you know Miami's got a better chance than than people think. Jokes aside, to to take Florida down um, this weekend in Coral Gables. Uh, how about Ole Miss at UCF? Underrated matchup uh, this weekend in Orlando. I believe, if I remember correctly, didn't UCF beat them twice last year in Oxford? I don't know. I think, I think so. Or it was maybe two years ago, but I know this is the second time they've, they've met up uh, in recent history uh, for, for the UCF Knights. Uh, Mississippi State goes to Tulane for three games. And then Georgia and Georgia Tech, are they doing a weekend series, it seems, instead of are doing, doing a weekend or two? I think they might be I'm doing sure. two for, I but see, I'm not I see sure. the listing. Georgia at and versus Georgia Tech. Okay, it looks like it's, you're right. There's two games. And then I think they play one at Turner Field, or not Turner Field, uh, Brave Stadium down the road to make at it a true. threesome. At true. Okay, so it seems like they're moving everything into one weekend instead of spreading it out. Oh, that, that's what you're doing? Okay. And Clemson, uh, South Carolina is this weekend too, I believe. Yes. I think you're right there as well. So pretty good. I think uh, slate of games. I think we'll know a lot more about the ACC after this weekend than so far. There haven't been really any teams that have played anybody outside of Florida State and um, North Carolina against East Carolina last week. But, I mean, North Carolina is playing Coastal Carolina, Georgia Tech, Georgia, like you said, and Clemson, South Carolina, and Florida, Miami. Um, so a lot of SEC, ACC matchups and um, just quality baseball overall, I think. So I think we'll know a lot more about the ACC after this weekend than we have found out so far. Uh, shout out to Vanderbilt going to Hawaii. That must be a lot of fun for Tim Corbin's group. Looks like three games in uh, Honolulu. FSU then, used to go out there for like a sixer. They used to play, uh, I think it was Hawaii and Hawaii high low, if I remember correctly. And they'd be out there for like a week. Funny story. Uh, I was, I think, seven years old the last time that when they did that. And uh Bedtime was nine o'clock and your boy was listening to the radio and uh, listening to Lee Bowen. And uh, there was a Steve Maluski at the time, I believe. I can't remember I the last time I went if it was Lee Bowen or Steve. Either Chip way, could I clarify remember, that. Yeah, Chip could. I, I got grounded for having the radio on uh, two <laughs> in the morning at seven years old. So um, I do remember that trip well. And uh, pretty cool that uh, Vanderbilt is going to get to do that. Uh, any thoughts, boys, uh, before we say goodbye? Nope. All right. Well, uh, good stuff. I think uh, Florida State, there's a lot of baseball that needs to be played before we really have um, any definitive answers and judgments on what this team is. Uh, The the roster makeup is excellent, and uh, they've got a chance to be pretty good. Now they've got to go and do it uh, for the rest of the season. 7 o'clock Friday, 4 o'clock Saturday, noon on Sunday, and uh, you guys can find coverage at uh, Knowles 24 7. Uh, they'll have full coverage provided. I'm sure uh, Chris will have spring practice on lock and basketball on lockdown this weekend as well. Um, and uh, yeah, until we talk to you again, Aria Masudi, Chris Snee, Brett Nevitt, Sunday Golds. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>